Happy Monday to you, coaches. Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, your home for all things Deviance Align Play. Thank you for checking us out here on this first Monday of March. This is episode number 49. Well, as I mentioned in our previous episode, KYPD turned one year old this past week, which is really cool. And I want to thank all of you who tune in and listen each week. Those of you who have posted comments and reviews telling us what you think of our show here, and those of you who are just now finding us, thank you for checking us out. Hopefully you're able to pick up some things each episode that will benefit you and help you grow as a person, as a coach. At least that's the goal uh, anyway. Also, I want to thank each and every one of our guests that we've had on the show because, you know, they're the ones that make the, the show. No one besides maybe my own parents, hi mom and dad, uh, listen to this thing each week to hear me. The guests are definitely what drive this thing. So thank you to those guys who have been a part of this show. And, and I'll spend more time talking about them next week because next week is our 50th episode. So speaking of that, we are doing something different for episode number 50 next week. For the first time ever, we are bringing on an offensive line coach as our guest. And, and I usually don't do this, but I'm going to reveal next week's guest today because for our 50th episode, we're structuring our conversation a little differently. And we're going to be covering... The questions you always wanted to ask an O-line or a D-line coach, but were afraid to ask. And what what we're doing there is, as a D-line coach, I'm going to be asking our O-line coach some questions about offensive line play and how what we do affects those guys and vice versa. He'll ask me some questions about defensive line play and and, uh, what we do or what they do that affects us. And so it's going to be really fun. And the guy who is going to be helping me out with that, and will be our guest for our 50th episode, well... Back up. You know, there are a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of great offensive line coaches that, that I could have uh, put on for this spot in our 50th episode. But we combed the nation and got what I think is, is he has to be the most famous offensive line coach on Twitter. I mean, think about all the, all the, all the O-line coaches, uh, all the famous O-line coaches you can think of on Twitter. I really can't think of any right now, but he, but this, this guy's definitely at the top of the list. I am honored to announce that for our 50th episode, our guest is going to be Coach Tony Schiffman. Uh, he is the offensive line coach at Lake Forest College in Lake Forest, Illinois, but most of you know him as the creator of Hawk Football Chat. He also is a great follow on Twitter. So really, really excited to have him on next week. Uh, Coach Schiffman and I will ask each other questions about our respective sides of the ball. But also, this is where you guys come in. We're going to be answering a few questions and covering some topics that you submit uh, to our show on Twitter. So if you don't already follow our podcast, first of all, what are you doing? Uh, Second of all, make sure you do so because I will be posting about that the, our episode number 50 and, and, and some questions and an opportunity for you to contribute to the conversation. I'll be posting about that tonight, Monday night. So if you have questions you'd like to hear Coach Schiffman and me answer or have input on topics that we should cover, follow us on Twitter and submit those by Wednesday of this week, and we'll do our best to work those in. Now, I have to say this. Preference will be given to questions that have to do with football. I know that you guys have a bunch of issues going on in your screwed up lives that you want me and Coach Shipman to weigh in on. Hey, give it a shot. We'll see. Maybe it'll make the show, maybe not. But anyway, I'm counting on you, Football Twitter, to do your thing, and that's going to really help uh, our, our episode next week be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that and having Coach Shipman on. Now, speaking of football coaches Twitter, 
in last week's opener, we did an installment of a segment that, that I'm calling Upon Further Review where, you know, I attempt to inject some humor in our show here. And, you know, I, I don't know if I did that last week or not, but but you guys definitely brought it. So the topic last week was what are the name of the names of clinic talks that you would definitely pass on, like, like would be a no go for you. And I came up with a few and, and shared those and they were, they were okay. But then I posted that question on Twitter and I mean, you guys, you guys delivered. I was cracking up at your submissions for horrible clinic talk names. So I thought that I would read a few of my favorites today and shout out the coaches that submitted them. So here you go. Here are a few of your submissions for terrible clinic talk titles. Now, the first one is from my man, uh, the defensive line coach at Midlothian High School, Coach Robert Irwin, a former guest of this podcast. Uh, and, and here's what Coach Irwin had to say would be a terrible clinic talk title for him. Armband to intimidation factor ratios. So clearly, Coach Irwin, not a fan of the armbands. So, hey, guys, bad news. If you are a D-lineman for, for, for Midlothian, you know, say no to the armbands. Otherwise, Coach Irwin's going to call you out. The next one was submitted by Coach Adam Grieve. And his uh, terrible clinic talk title, the get-back coach, how to effectively keep your third-string center out of the coaching box. I tell you what, hey, if there is someone with that presentation sitting in their, uh, you know, in their PowerPoint you can make a million dollars off of that because everybody has that problem. The dadgum uh, sideline and, and keeping that thing clear uh, because it's never our fault as coaches, right? It's always the kid's fault. But anyway, that would be a, uh, a co- for Coach Grieve, that would be a hard pass for him. Next one. Uh, this one was submitted from Coach Tim Kramer. Championship winning seven-on-seven schemes. Gross. No thank you. Uh, okay, next one from Coach John Brubaker. How to win friends and influence helicopter parents. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's pretty good right there. And if hey, and if you don't find that funny, then chances are you probably are a helicopter parent. So, you know, hey, take a look in the mirror, relax. You don't have to go to every football practice. Uh, it's okay. Johnny's going to be all right. Next one from Coach Craig. Brasgill, Brasgill. I don't know if I'm saying that uh, saying that that last name correctly. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but he had a funny submission, and his was creating culture through yelling and public embarrassment. Wait, is that is that not how you're supposed to do it? I guess I've been doing it wrong. Anyway, our, our next submission was from Coach Meyer, and and I'm I'm not 100 sure that that's not Coach Urban Meyer. I guess it could be, but looking at his Twitter handle, I'm guessing it's not. But anyway, this, is a, this, was, this was submitted by Coach Meyer, uh, and it is, how a successful Madden career translates to real coaching success. Oh, now you're stepping on some toes uh, of some of your players' dads right there and their uncles and their brothers, but that's, our, that's, that's a good one. Uh, this next one, submitted by the Twitter account, Stuff Coaches Say. And, and, and I really like this one because... This, this horrible clinic talk title brings to light an issue that we probably do need to talk about on our next installment of Upon Further Review because pregame music definitely deserves, deserves a segment because I have my opinions when it comes to that. So here is, here, here is the title. Nickelback, ACDC, and Skillet, getting the most out of your team's pregame playlist. And now, 
I, I, the only one I have issue with that is ACDC. I think ACDC is is a classic. You you can't go wrong with putting those guys, any of their songs, uh, in your pregame uh, playlist. But Nickelback and Skillet, coaches, if you have Nickelback and Skillet in your pregame uh, playlist, then you're setting yourself up to get beat by 50. I'm telling you, you need to get those out of there yesterday. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to revisit that uh, in a in a, in a Segment totally devoted to pregame playlist, but thank you, Stuff Coaches Say, for submitting that last one. And this one was my favorite. This is from Coach G uh, on Twitter, and it is Get them, hit them, tackle them, block them. The ultimate guide to in game adjustments. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good, right there. So, so, there you go. Thank you to all of you guys who jumped on that thread uh, this past week. It was awesome. I really, really enjoyed reading those. Okay, so let's get to today's guest. Today we are joined by, seriously, one of the nicest, most gracious guys you'll find in this coaching profession. And I am honored to welcome Mart High School defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Shane Martin on the podcast today. If you're unfamiliar with where Mart, Texas is, you're not alone. Uh, it's a really small town east of Waco, kind of a little map dot town, right? But but they are known throughout the state of Texas for being one of the most uh, dominant small school programs in the state. Uh, anyway, Coach Martin grew up in Yoakum, Texas, and attended Blinn Junior College, where he was a student coach for the Buccaneers before he transferred to Sam Houston State, where again, as a student, he landed a part-time coaching job there at Huntsville High School, my alma mater. After graduating from Sam Houston, Coach Martin got on full-time at Mance Park Middle School there in Huntsville and then moved back over to the high school to be the D-line coach, where he remained until the year 2000. From Huntsville, Coach Martin headed to West High School in the town of West, Texas, where he was the co-DC for two years. From West, Coach Martin headed up the road to Hillsborough High School to be the DC there. And then from 04 to 08, Coach moved over to Waco Conley to be the defense coordinator for the cadets. After four successful years in Waco, Coach Martin moved back to Huntsville to be the defensive coordinator and later the head coach for the Hornets. Then, in 2014, Coach Martin headed back to Central Texas to be the defensive coordinator at Mart, where he has been a part of three state championships and helped the Panthers win district every year that he's been there. Coach Martin has a wealth of knowledge and experience that he's going to share with us today. We start off talking about his background, his advice on coaching your own kids. Like Coach Drones from a couple episodes back, uh, Coach Martin has had the privilege of coaching both of his boys and, and experienced a lot of success with them. His, his younger son, uh, who is, is getting ready to graduate this year, was a two-way standout for, for Mart in the last three years. And so he has a really interesting perspective on that. We also talk about the Mart program and what Coach Martin believes sets them apart. And then finally, we get into the Panthers' 4-3 defense and how they sell out to stop the run. We also get into some specific defensive line technique as well and talk about some of Coach Martin's favorite drills. So, a ton of great stuff for you today, so let's get to it. Here is Coach Shane Martin on episode number 49 of KYPD. Coach Martin, it is so good to be able to talk some football with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. I am, I've been looking forward to this. I'm very excited about tonight. Well, well good, Coach. Well, well, first off, you know, congratulations on on y'all state title this year. That's now three in a row for you guys. So, <laughs> so congratulations. Well, thank you. You know, we're very blessed, and and uh, we're fortunate to be in a place and in a program where the kids just love the game of football and they play very hard for us. 
Well, Coach, I've known you for a little while now, and 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 I, it's just awesome to be able to see you uh, and, and watch your you know your, your, this run from afar, and and, and I know it's especially uh, and, uh, special for you, or particularly special for you, since you're, you've been able to do it uh, with both of your boys and coach both of your boys. Uh, and I know you've been coaching ball for a while now, so let's let's back up and 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 talk about just your background and, and your early experiences with the game of football. Well, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, my biggest accomplishment in all of this is I've been married 27 years to my wife, Didi. And I'm going to tell you what, boy, she is. Gave me those two boys that I've got to spend a lot of time with on the field. And, and and you know, and it's just been an amazing thing. But that's a big accomplishment for her. You know, Kellen's 22 now and, and off in college. And Kyler's finishing up his senior year with three state titles, you know. So it's a blessing. And, but, I, you know, I grew up in a small town uh, in Yoakum, Texas is where I grew up. And I spent about half my time between Yoakum, Texas and South Louisiana. And uh, it, my dad worked over there. So we spent a lot, a lot of time over there. Uh, I graduated from Yoakum High. As soon as I got through with Yoakum High, uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I, I knew at that time that that I wanted to coach and I wanted to be a part of that. And then the main reason why is the reason a lot of people get into it is what coaches do for you. And uh, the coaches my dad left at an early age when I was about 12, so maybe 14. And uh, the coaches kind of took over, so it was really awesome for me. Uh, after graduation, took off to Blend Junior College. Ben Benneke gave me the opportunity to be a student coach while I was going to Blend Junior College. And I'm probably one of the only few guys that spent three years at a junior college, but I was living out a dream that Coach Benneke gave me. And I coached secondary the first year, and I coached defensive ends the second, and outside backers the third. So, you know, it, it was a great opportunity for me. And then I took off to Sam Houston. And uh, once I got to Sam Houston, I had the, the great honor of meeting Randy Shelley, a coach there at, at uh, Huntsville, and he introduced me to Joe Clements. And, they hired me as a part-time coach, and I mean, it, it was just an amazing thing to get to do what you're wanting to do while you're going to college, and I got to do that and got to be a part of a bunch of playoff teams from about, I hate to show my age, but from about 1986 to about 1990 as a part-time coach, yeah, going to a yeah. bunch of playoff games, and uh, you know, after I graduated from Sam Houston, Coach Clements hired me right away and I was very fortunate and I started at Mans Park Middle School and it was it was awesome and uh you know then it just kind of runs from there and that's when things kind of get real busy when it starts you know when you're doing it as a part-time coach it's great but as you when you get that opportunity to you know get all your clothes paid for and get to wear a lot of green it was awesome for me can you know those are my old stomping grounds you know I'm a I'm a proud Mans Park uh, alum and Huntsville <laughs> High School alum, and and, and we sure. we definitely have that in common with, you know, with, with the Huntsville thread. But talk about some other places that you've had the, the privilege to be at and a coach at. Well, you know, I was real fortunate. I, after after my my stint in Huntsville, I stayed there as a full time coach from about 1991 to 2000. And uh, during that time, you know, I guess one of the greatest things was I worked for Doug Smith when he took over. I moved to the high school and started coaching D line for him. And uh, and the biggest thing was Coach Clements came back as the offensive coordinator, and I, my desk was right next to him. And so we got to talk because when I worked for him, he didn't talk to you. You know, once I wasn't working for him and we were together there in Huntsville, it was really a great opportunity. And, and you know, things were going really well there. 
but I wanted to branch out a little bit. And, and I was the, the younger guy on staff at that time. And I knew I wasn't going to ever get a chance to be the coordinator there at that time. And uh, Ricky Wolf gave me an opportunity to go to West. And uh, I went to West as a defensive coordinator in 2000. And I was there from 2000 to 2002. Moved just up the road. My family stayed in West and I moved up to Hillsboro. And I was the defensive coordinator there. And uh, we made the playoffs my first year as a, as a defense coordinator west i was a co-coordinator but my first year as a coordinator we made the playoffs and uh, it was it was very exciting preparing when i knew everything you know there were other people not playing yeah. after that uh you know i stayed i stayed at hillsborough for two years and it was a good opportunity but an old bearcat that i met while i was going to sam houston named kevin johnson got the head coaching job at waco Conley high school and uh he contacted me and asked me to come be his defensive coordinator, and I spent four years there with him. And out of those four years, we made it to the playoffs three times. And it was just a big honor to to get to work with somebody you knew in college. And it was, you know, kind of like you're back in the college days running around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and after that, when I left Huntsville, my goal was to go back there and become the head coach. And uh, Mitch Akui was the head coach at the time, and he brought me back as the defensive coordinator, assistant head coach. And uh, and I got to work for him. We won a district championship the first year I was back there in 2008. And uh, we beat Brenham. That was a big thing because nobody beat Brenham in a long time. Yeah. We beat them um, and made it to the playoffs. And we won about three rounds. We got beat in the third round. And uh, after that, in 2010, I took over as the head coach in Huntsville. And that's, you know, was my true goal to doing that. But, you know, sometimes in the struggles, being a football coach and being a dad, sometimes you got to put your you got to put your family in where you want them to be. And I really wanted my boys to get out of the big school setting and get into a little bit of a smaller school. And and that's when I had the opportunity to to come to Mart, and uh, I came to Mart working for, for Rusty Nail, who, uh, who's now the athletic, court, uh, athletic director over at Madisonville. And uh, Rusty gave me the opportunity, and, you know, the, the rest is amazing. We, we've been district champs every year that I've been here, and we won three in a row state titles. And, you know, I, I've, I've had just a great opportunity to be here. My my oldest son came here and just played his junior and senior year, and he played 26 football games in two years. Wow. And, you know, and now the young one, the young one's amazing. He's played 58 football games in his four years of high school yeah. here. So, yeah. And, you know, three state championships. So I've been fortunate to be at some good places with some good kids and good head coaches, you know. Uh, the, the, the most important thing we've had here is just where I've been is we've had a great staff, people that, and enjoy being around each other and have some of the same goals and mindsets on what they do. Well, Coach, you mentioned your boys a couple times there, and especially mm -hmm. as being a big reason why you made the move to Mart. You know, I have two young boys, and and I'm already talking to my older son about, hey, one day, you know, we're going to, you know, daddy's going to be your coach. And we kind of talk about that. And we play football in the hallway, you know, on our knees and stuff. And, and sure. I, I would just I, – I can't imagine what it would be like uh, to not only coach your son – but to be able to, to enjoy all the success that you've had with both of your boys. So just talk about that experience and what that's been like. You know, one of the greatest things in 2017, when we won, well, kind of to go back a little bit, Kellen's first year here, Kellen, my oldest, had total a, a catastrophic knee injury his eighth grade year 
in middle school. He turned around in Huntsville and made the uh, varsity baseball team as a freshman and started third base and pitched. Had a second catastrophic knee injury in baseball. So he's missing football time. So when he got here, the first field that he played on was at Mary Harden Baylor, and we were playing against Goldthwait, a historic program over there in the Hill Country that at the time was really, really, you know, playing well. And we got to play against them. But, you know, Kellen did some great things. It's just we ran it Kellen's senior year. I'm sorry, it's Kellen's junior year. We made it to the state semifinals. And we ran into Canadian, who that year won the state championship in basketball and football that year in basketball and yep. football the next year. So not many people beat them. Yep. But, you know, the, the one of the, the things, you know, you always hear people saying, boy, you know, coaching your son is a tough thing. But I'm going to tell you, I've been so fortunate with the staffs that I've been on that those guys coach and kind of our philosophy even here at Mart and, and is – we're going to coach your kid just like he's our kid. And so there's not much difference, you know, except when you walk out there and you get a chance to coach your son and you watch him grow as a player and you see other men in their life that's, you know, uh, I can tell them something and Kellen or Kyler, either one will say, well, I'm going to ask Coach Hoffman. Or I'm yeah. going to ask, you yeah. know, this one, and they're going yeah. to go talk to him about it. Yeah. Like, hey, Dad, you don't really know. But it, it, it's one of the greatest memories that I'll ever have is, in 2017, Kyler was a sophomore at the time, and he was my starting corner on defense, and he was our backup quarterback, and he was a return specialist and also played some receiver. But when, when that clock ticked out in 2017, and I got to turn to Kyler and look at him and say, hey, dude, you're a state champion. And Kellen, my oldest, was on the sideline standing right there with us. My two brothers, out of my almost 30 years of coaching, has never seen me coach a football game until 2017 at the state championship game. And they were both in there. And so just the memories you make with family, not only your sons, but just family, man, they're, they're so precious that you you never want to forget them. And you, you think about them often, you know, there's a lot of times when those lights go out at night and, I lay down that I, I I get to live those and it's amazing. It, it really is. Don't let everybody ever tell you that coaching your son is a bad thing or you're going to have people throwing rocks at you because your son's playing. Because I guarantee you, coaching your son, he's going to give you the greatest effort of all because he wants to prove that you're right. So I, I'm just curious. I've always wondered this. Do do you do you change the your approach when your son gets into your program or is it? Are, are you more, I guess, uh, mindful of the way you're coaching now that it's your own kid in the program, or is it you just keep on going doing what you're doing? You know, <laughs> I always tell them I got to watch what I say in practice sometimes because <laughs> yeah. they're going to come home and tell mama. Yeah, you know, yeah. daddy, daddy yelled at me out there, but you yeah. know, it's not, it's not really that. You know, the biggest thing, like I said, man, goes you want to coach, you coach your kid, and you coach him hard, and and you're going to be tough on him because. He's yours, but in a program like we have, or I know that y'all have there where you're at, you coach every kid and love them like they're yours. But the toughest thing and the biggest thing that you have to do, and I've learned this, you know, I guess really through and truly with Kellen, is leave it at the field house. When you drive away from the field house and y'all are coming home or you get him in the car, let it go. Don't, don't, you don't need to say anything. That needs to stay in the field house. And when you come home and sit down at dinner, talk about other things. And, and you know, I found that 
with a lot of the kids. You know, Justin Gilbert was a kid that I coached in Huntsville that, that had an opportunity to play in the NFL and everything. But, you know, I always saw Justin. Nobody ever wanted to talk to Justin about things outside of football. You know, and, and I think that's what you have to do with your kid. Leave it at the field house. And when you have a chance to talk to him, don't talk about practice or anything. If he wants to bring it up and talk about it or sit down and watch film with you, then sit down and do it. But let them bring it up. Just be a dad. When you get away from the field house, be a dad. That, yeah. That's the most important thing. Yeah, great advice, Coach. And and again, you. you know, I think all of us, you know, those of us who do have sons and, and, and dream of one day of coaching – coaching them can can definitely learn from that and, and learn from uh you know your relationship w- w- with your own boys and how you've coached them so let's talk about your program there at mart again you guys and 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 yes you had you know you won three state championships but you were even uh successful before that with coach nail there and, and and won a bunch of games so just in your opinion what's what's been the biggest thing that's allowed you guys to be so successful year in year out you know i think the biggest thing is our leadership role you know, and it starts with our head coaches. You know, there is – we had three head coaches on staff. I was the head coach. Uh, our offensive coordinator was the head coach. So we're right at about 86 years of experience of coaching all our years. And I, I think that has a lot to do with it. But then realizing that, hey, yeah, I was the head coach at one time, but Kevin Hoffman is our head coach or Rusty Nail is our head coach. And following that leadership role of what they do, and, you know, and the other thing here in Mark, the biggest thing is, is these kids, and I know this is an old cliche, but these kids here want to be a Panther from day one. From the time that they see their first football game or their play, you know, we start our pit program, which is Panthers in training in the fifth grade. And our fifth graders run the same offense that we run on Friday nights. Yeah, By the time awesome. they get out of fifth grade, they can run counter power sweep. That's our three main plays on offense. And uh, they, we run this, you know, the, the, the luxury here is I coach seventh grade through seniors. I call the defense on for the middle school. I call the defense for the JV. You know, it's all the same. It, it, you know, our kids get used to the way I call. They think the way that I think by the time they're, you know, maybe sophomores, yeah, juniors yeah. in high school. This year I started seven sophomores on defense in a state championship game. Wow. And, you know, we started seven sophomores, three seniors, and one junior. And the junior is a Texas Tech commit already. And, um, you know, it's just where these, that's what these kids do. The, the town of Mart, that's all they think about. You can, you know, I coach baseball. They could care less what goes on in baseball. <laughs> but it's, it's about football, and that's what they are. And, and don't think you can't walk in there and they not know who you are and they know who your kids are, they yeah. know who your wife is. And it's just a tradition here. And we always, we always say we play for today for what was of yesterday. We play for the guys before us. Yeah, and, I like that. Uh, you know, the state championship game was, our, was March 777th win. And, you know, there's not many schools around that can say they have 777 win. That's just a big thing. And, I, you know, like I said, our big thing is we start with our kids young and uh, they grow up wanting to be Panthers. It, you come here and, you know, there's more Panthers. You don't see kids here wearing professional jerseys or anything like that. They wear Martin stuff. That's yeah. all you see. You know, and that's I think that's from coming from a small town, you know, right. and. 
There's I always sees when you drive into Mar, it looks like Radiator Springs from car the movie Cars. <laughs> uh, there's a big tire on the side where the tire shop is, the Biscuits Tire Shop, and Tiny's Burritos is right there across a little purple building, and you get the best burritos in the world. And uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a small town dream in Texas to be a Mark Panther. Okay, so th- this is a question that I'm asking not as for a podcast or for the benefit of anybody else listening. This is a totally selfish question I'm about to ask you because, <laughs> you know, I, I, we're, I'm also at a program that's that's enjoyed a lot of success. I, sure. I just, I'm in my first year here, so I really can't claim. Uh, it, I mean, they were successful before I got here, and, and so I'm I'm just blessed to be a part of it. But, you know, one of the things that, that I know we battle, and I'm sure programs uh, that, that, are, that are successful are always battling and always worrying about is, is guys getting complacent. And, and we're at a point, again, similar to y'all are, where all sure. the kids know is state championship, uh, state cha- going, going to state. That's all they know. And, yeah. I, and what I compare it to is it's kind of like um, you, have, you have parents who came from nothing and they had to work their butts off to, to be successful and they finally you know, make it and they're, they, they, they're making a bunch of money and they're wealthy and their kids grow up not knowing anything different, right? So then a lot of times those kids, they don't really know how to work and, and they don't really know what it takes. So, so I guess what, that, that's, we're, we're kind of in the same situation where all our kids know is going to state. So how do we instill that work ethic in them and keep those guys hungry? And so I'm curious as to, uh, you know, what, what's your message is for you guys this offseason and how you fight that complacency and, and just that lack of, of edge or drive that, you know, that can sometimes creep in when you've experienced so much success? You know, our, our biggest thing here is, our guys that were part of the programs before in the past, the Quan Crosby's, the, the, you know, the Jamie Manns, the, I mean, the people that were truly, you know, Mark's had three guys in the NFL. Uh, Suge Lowe played for the Chicago Bears back in the 30s. You know, so that's how long this thing has been going on. And, and the biggest thing is those guys stay part of the program. Yeah. And they stay part of the program on the field. I mean, we'll have guys come out, the, the, the ones from just a couple of years back, and we don't have the numbers. And they're coming out there and go, hey, coach, we'll come run routes for you. So I look up and there's players out there in T-shirts and shorts running seven-on-seven routes for us. You know, yeah. and, and they come up there. But the biggest thing with our kids that we talk about is, is you know, you you want to keep the legacy going. What legacy do you want to leave here in Mark? Do you want to be the guys that, you know, didn't make it to the playoffs or anything else? You know, I'll tell you how bad, and I don't want to say, I want to say this as a positive, but to me in a way it's kind of a negative thing too. We don't even pass out. Like when you win a district championship and you see all the pitchers with them holding up the big gold ball, We've never witnessed that in March. There's not a district championship gold ball in our trophy games because that's not the expectation. The expectations from the first practice in August is we're going to be at the state championship game. We're going to make, you know, and that's where we kind of keep those kids with the drive. And you don't want to tell them, hey, you don't want to be the first team that doesn't make it to the playoffs or, or something like that. But we, you know, we instill that in them that there's nothing. We have a big celebration on. When we practice that first week after district is over and that first round of the playoff, it's a celebration for us, man. We, you know, we have people come cook for us after practice and everything like that. It's a big thing, uh, you know, and and we just try to keep our kids focused on the goal of what your goal is. And we allow them to set those goals, you know. 
Yeah. We're going to tell them the first one is we want to be a district champion. Why do you want to be a district champion? Because I want a great draw the first round, you know, and we want to win that one because we want to win the next one. We tease them because we don't win that next one because in March, if you practice during the week of Thanksgiving, every coach gets a $1,000 bonus because we're the only ones working. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, so we tease yeah. the kids and tell them it's that thousand dollar game. Yeah, you know, and and the kids understand that because, like I said, they know a lot. Some of their parents are teachers and everything, but you know, we just try to get our keep our kids to be very goal oriented and keep things set on the you know their eye on the target and know yeah. where they're heading and what they want to do. And and like I said, we get help throughout the community because you know the expectations of the community is to win. We have probably some of the oldest fan base that you could imagine. I mean, I don't know how some of these people even drive to the games that we had to go to, <laughs> you know, it really scary and they're great people, you know, and there's nothing for you to, to, to see, you know, an older gentleman and his wife at a ball game and they know every player on the team, Yeah, every single player. And, and it's just, it's just amazing that I, I think if you, if I had to put one word onto it, how we stay hungry for winning, it's the town of Mart. It's it, it means so much to some of these people who don't have nothing, you know, right. Who, right. who houses, we have a place in town called the Valley. And if you go down in the Valley, I don't want Mark to sound like it's a metropolis. If you go down in the <laughs> Valley that you're wondering how some of the houses are standing yeah. and, you know, but they got that Mark Panther sign in the front yard, brother. It's holding the yard together. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, and that's what it is, but yeah. they, uh, you know, it's just—I'm telling you—it's really hard to explain. Yeah, it's almost like something you have to witness because, and, and I'm sure y'all are going through it there. I mean, your your boss is an amazing guy, and and his brother's an amazing coordinator. I'm the lucky one that had a chance to coach those two guys, and uh, you know, I'm—it's—it's it's a tough thing to go through. But my deal is—is—is is, is don't let them get their eye off the. Off target don't let them get their eye off what their true goal is and that's to be a state champion or be a winning program you don't always have to be a state champion but you have to be you have to know every night when you walk off that field that you left everything out there and you gave it your all yeah of course and i want to i want to make sure that that i say that we have great kids and they are getting after it in the off season it's not like we're having to get them and, and, and try and go and find them and get them in the weight room it's just that you know it's it's just sometimes uh, when you get to, uh, to to the point that that your program is at and that my our program is at is that it can they can somehow just think that it's just it just happens because yeah. and so yeah. that's that's the what 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 I think any successful program is fighting but you know we we have great kids that are that are doing a great job and, and having a great off season but um, just just always curious about that and and again I think whether you won a district championship last year or you won a state championship or or maybe you, you had your first winning season you're always kind of looking over your shoulder saying okay. I, what, what can we do to make sure we're not going backwards, to make sure this thing doesn't dip off, to make sure we keep climbing that mountain? And, and so uh, that's, a, that's a good thing to make sure, you know, to just to, to build that sense of community within your program, and that's awesome that you guys have that. I, you mentioned, you know, guys coming back and running routes and just not having a bunch of numbers, and that's, that's almost, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're giving that, that enough justice because I think when we talked uh, earlier, you said that, that going into the playoffs this year, you guys had 18 varsity players. Is that right? That's right. We had 18 varsity players. We had a JV that probably had about the same amount of numbers, but that JV consisted more uh, freshmen than it did anything else. Yeah. You know, we only had 
We all, we had three seniors on the team that truly played. Yeah. And and you know we had a guy that moved in that was a senior that that didn't really contribute. Uh, we had another kid that's just a smaller kid, but the thing that I'm so proud of him for is he stayed with it the whole time, even though he didn't play a whole lot. He stayed with it the whole time. Yeah. But we all, you know, we only had those true three seniors that played both ways. But you know, then we got a bigger class of sophomores coming up. But you know, when it's just like when you go out of practice, you don't have any choice. You know, some of them freshmen have to line up against. You know, I, I have a young man that lives with me that's been with me for two years. This name, uh, that's a kid that we took in, and and I've got a freshman that's lining up against a 260-pound offensive lineman. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. and and you don't have any choice. You you have to you have to do that. You have to go with the numbers, and and sometimes where you have smaller classes, like next year, we'll probably end up with about 20. 24 maybe on varsity and the, the JV would consist of nothing but freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you just, you know, you have to work it and, and, you know, and, and I, I totally agree. Like what you said, you know, I, I know that our kids bust their tail in there. You know, I, I watch them work in the weight room during the off season. It's not, it's not that, Hey, we're going to pull the bus up and they're going to read Mart on the side of it and they're going to lay down and let us beat the fool out of them. You know, they they know they have to work. They know they have to get stronger. You know, my son Kyler in the 13th ball game in 2018 tore his ACL, hadn't thrown an interception all year, was the second leading tackler on the team. So, you know, what are they going to do? My head coach told Kyler, said, your job's not done. He put a headset on him at every football game after that, even all through the state championship game. He said, you got to coach that freshman that's taking your place on defense and that sophomore that's taking your place at quarterback. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what you do, you know. You look for your leadership and your older guys that's been in the program since the fifth grade. You know, we ask the kids the questions all the time. Hey, who's lived in Mart their entire life? And you'd be surprised at how many hands go up, you know, that, that they've been here the whole time. but. You know, the, the leadership of the winning and staying on track to be successful comes from within, whether it's on your coaching staff or it's on your plate. Right, right. So let's. I want to go back and just talk about your numbers a little bit because I am. Okay. I'm just curious about you know, how do you how do you structure practices uh, to maximize time to allow your guys to get equal reps on both sides of the ball and and you know how are you dividing up coaches and, and conditioning players and just getting them ready for a Friday night ball game uh, with, you know, with that few few amount of guys. You know what we do is our practices have basically stayed the same uh, since I've been here. You know, we uh, all, all our coaches coach both sides of the ball. And thank God that I'm doing this on a podcast and not on TV. And you see that what I look like because I am definitely not a receiver coach. But this year I coach receivers. <laughs> I was a defensive coordinator and I coach receivers. And I asked my head coach, I said, why am I doing that? He said, even though you're probably the oldest guy on staff, you're the only one that can still throw. Okay. So, all right. Well, there you, you know, go. So I'm the guy doing that. So we divide our coaches up. Everybody has an offensive position and defensive position. And then we take the special teams and everybody, you know, like I have the defensive phase, the special teams, but every coach has a part on my coaching. You know, they're going to coach the right. line or number twos or number three, right. you know, on your kickoff return. So everybody has a part in everything. We schedule our practices. We work off of four minute segments. And for example, on Monday, we're going to go 12. We always go defense first. 
We're on 12 defensive periods, 12 offensive periods with the special team in between them. And so on Tuesdays, we do basically the same type of practice, but it's 15 periods. And then Wednesday, we do the same practice and we're back to 12. You know, here's here's the funny thing with us. People watch us play and they talk about how physical we are. We don't hit in practice. We are shelled every day. Yeah, we, uh, we are too. Yeah. You know, you just can't afford to lose anybody on something like that. So we we kind of take our practices and do it that way. And, you know, here's the one thing we we tell our kids that, that you know, everybody plays everywhere defensively for conditioning wise we don't we don't line up and run the old gassers probably like i made your two brothers do we didn't line <laughs> up and do that or anything like that but what we do is on defensively for example any kind of team concept part of practice whether it's seven on seven inside or a true team set or a fit drill that we do we go off of two whistles and Everything is very fast. We're going to get there. The first whistle stops the play. And then the running back or receiver or whatever is going to take off again. And the second whistle stops the pursuit. So every play is going to take 20 yards to 30 yards because our kids are going to sprint. And we, you know, we kind of want to be those things where we want 11 hats. And there's been times in ball games where I've made highlights and showed them how many plays we've had where 11 hats are in the frame. Yeah, You know, so we work everything team concept wise off of two whistles. And that's our basically our conditioning for defense is everything's off of two whistles. Yeah, I and like that. That yeah. makes it go good. Now, offensively, we have a little drill that we do on it. It's called read mesh exchange. And we line up with the line hose and we run every one of our plays. And during read mesh exchange usually lasts for three periods. So that's 12 minutes. And we'll run close to 80 to 100 plays during that time. Wow. And so our practice is very, very fast. Yeah. Very fast. And uh, I won't say it. We had a, a team come over because we have a turf field here in Mark. And we had a team come over during the playoffs and wanted to practice on the, the one end of our field. And our kids were amazed. They were going, to come. well, they don't move very fast in practice, you know. And it's amazing how. You know, they notice that, but our practices are real, real fast. We'll, you know, defensively, we're going to run 20 or so seven-on-seven plays. Inside, we're going to run eight plays. Team, we're going to run 12 to 15 plays every day. So we we practice really, really fast. We we do everything off of iPad and use huddle out on the field. Oh, wow. And and our kids, uh, you know, we tell our kids, you have to accept your role on this team. And your role at this time may be that you're a scout team quarterback and you, you've you got to get over there and do that. And we, we split them up. And, and if we go twos, sometimes just like my son, who was a starting quarterback and starting safety, when we go twos, he's got to be the starting quarterback on that side. He's got to go play quarterback for yeah. our scout team over our twos. And uh, that's how we kind of keep them focused in on practice because if if you're looking at if you're that scout team quarterback and you're looking at what they run offensively, when you flip forward to the defensive side, you see that formation come up. That's the first thing that's going to click in your head. Hey, I'm yeah. going to see zone, or I'm going to see I'm going to see the snag route. You know, and I right. mean it pops in their head. So yeah. it benefits us in both ways, having the small numbers and having the kids have to help offensively and defensively during the whole entire practice. 
go back to the you said you know everything's on iPads. Does that mean no no scout binders, no scout books, anything like that? No, no. I draw everything up. Our guys, you know, I have a guy that draws up a lot of stuff for me, and then I add what I want to add. But if I have if I was playing y'all and I had 30 offensive plays, well, then I pick my top 15 and make a script out of it. And then what we do is we just hit print and your script is there for your print preview. And that's what we use on the field. Okay. And, and okay. So, so we have an iPad for offense, defense, especially we have three iPads. Okay. So and are you showing the iPad to the kids to see the play or is it the yeah. actual? Okay. It's the like iPad. We got every, we got everything color coordinated. We just flip it up to our scout team. Uh, you know, our, our quarterback is purple. Our running back is red. Our slot receiver is blue. Our Y is black. You know, we, they all know what their number, what their colors are. Yeah. And they, it shows the blocking scheme. So the linemen know how to block yeah. depending on what defense we're in and how to block it. And, it is, it's, it's speeded up our weekends. It's, it's uh, helped the kids because it's not me drawing it. You know, it's got good lines on it and yeah, everything else. Yeah. And it, it's been, a, we've been doing it now for about, I think two years, maybe, maybe three. We've had everything on iPads out there. And is that, is that all through huddle? Yeah, we yeah, do everything through huddle. huddle. Okay. You know, my, you know, that, that's, that's what our kids are so used to. They're so used to using yeah. huddle and yeah. all that how that works, you yeah. know, and, and it just makes it so much better for us, you know, and yeah. we can show it to them and flash it to them. They can see it. And, you know, kids today, they understand technology more than they understand paper. You're right. You're right. You know? Well, yeah, that's, that's interesting as, as a guy who draws a lot, of, who has drawn a, a ton of scout cards <laughs> over the years. Uh, and I've toyed with the idea and, and, and been, you know, we've, we've looked at it, just hadn't been able to pull the trigger cause you know, you're creature creatures of habit, but, sure. um, you know, what, that may well, be something, it, maybe something we have to makes, talk about more off the, you know, off when we get off this thing about, about, yeah, about give me a holler. I'll tell you all about it. Cause it, yeah. it's the best thing for us Yeah, because I can adjust that script anyway and I don't have to draw that play over 15 it, times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what's a good thing. Yeah. Well, see, there you go, Coach. See, I'm I'm learning something from you about technology. <laughs> see, I mean, we're just breaking all kinds of stereotypes here. You hey, know, yeah, a and small that's, school that's and an older coach. Right. You know, you're 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 enlightening me on some technology stuff. So there you go. Let's sure. let's talk about the the uh, the Panther defense. You guys have been salty for a while. Uh, you know, just talk about your defense specifically and, and what you know what what you guys do out of that that, that allows you to be so successful. You know, when, when when Coach Hoffman took over this job, my boss now, uh, he he was he, his biggest deal was, you know, he came to me, being, he was the offensive coordinator, and he took over the head job when Coach Nell stepped down, and he came to me and he goes, I want to know what I can do to help you. Well, for people that's familiar with Mark football, it's always been an offensive thing. You know, they're going to score. You know, they played a game with Rodgers one time and lost, and I swear it was like eighty six to seventy four. Wow. Because it was nothing but attract me. And I told him, I said, you know, and it used to be Coach Nail's words, and I, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but Coach Nail told me when I first came here, he said, we're going to go offense second. He said, so defense will go first, and we're going to go offense. He said, because we want to end practice on a positive note. And, boy, that got me. You know, <laughs> it really did. You know, and I told him. I said, man, what do you mean? So when Coach Hoffman took over, he asked me, he said, what can I do? I said, well, defense will be as important in Mart as offense. And he said, I agree. How can I help you? I said, all right. I love D-line. I never get to coach D-line because every time I've coached somewhere, I've had the most experience with linebacker play. 
I said, I want to go back to coaching linebackers. And he said, I said, go back to coaching D-line, I'm sorry. And he said, okay, so what can I do? I said, you're going to coach a Mike linebacker. Coach Burrow's going to coach the two outside backers. I said, Coach Williams is going to coach the corners, and Coach Thompson is going to coach the safeties. We're going to coach for every position. And he goes, deal. And, I mean, I feel like I'm a chair because, man, we hit it running. And, and we worked really hard as a staff just to make sure that practice was going to jive the way it was supposed to with some drills that we do separately and together when we come together. Because, you know, 12 periods or 15 periods sound like a long time. But if you don't put that practice together just the way you're supposed to, you're going you're oh, yeah. to waste time. Yeah. And so when I did that and we brought in the defensive alignment and I coached uh, Hoffman and I got together and we started, I ran the four two five forever. And I told him I just, I wasn't pleased with it. You know, I was tired. I didn't want to run it. And he said, well, I want to, how about the four three? He said, I've got great experience in a four three. I said, deal. So we went to the four three as soon as we did and we jumped in it, man. And it's just been a blessing that we've come to that point where our kids can go to their coach and we have individual time. And, you know, you have to, with small numbers, you have to do some half line stuff and you have to yeah. make some adjustments. And there's times where that guy that comes off the, to help gets stuck in in a position or coaches playing a tackle or something. But, you know, it's just been really good that we've made defense important here. And, and that's been just a big key, you know, Everybody coaches it just like everybody coaches offense. Because my first year here with Coach Nail, when I coached defense, everybody just kind of watched me. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and it and it's changed now. And that I think that has been the biggest thing. And again, we go back to like we talked to earlier. It goes back to that leadership of your head coach. It goes back to that 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 helps you be successful. You guys, I know we we talked about we've talked before about how you know you guys really like to stress uh, just just fitting up the run and being sound in your fits. You don't do a whole lot as far as moving around, and and I don't think you stun a whole lot. Uh, but no. you guys are just really really big on educating your kids on 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 fitting up the run and knowing where they're supposed to be. So talk about that and how important that is, and how you guys are getting your kids to that point where they're so confident fitting things up. Well, you know, when we when we t- when we started this, our, our biggest thing, Coach Hoffman asked me, he said, you know, what is your philosophy you want to be on defense? What do you want? I said, I want to be able to stop the run. And because I know what his philosophy is on defense, on offense, he wants to run the ball. Yeah. So our, our team philosophy is stop the run and run the ball. Our kids hear that all the time. And so when we started doing that, we wanted to see a, find a way to – to bring things in and not be out of kilter or not be out of place when something takes place. So what we did is, is back to the huddle thing. We use huddle to we set up, we take all our offensive plays. If we're getting ready to play, uh, just say if we're getting ready to play Refurio that we played the past couple of years, who's a very, very good football team, we get every formation of Refurio and put it into huddle. And then we take every formation as a staff we sit down and we line our kids up by numbers on how we can align to this formation. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get lined up now by doing that. Our front doesn't change. We're a three and a one 90% of the time, three strong, one week. We just don't change it very much. Yeah. Yeah. Now our linebackers where we make our adjustments is we push our backers. Right. We're either going to push them strong or weak, or we're going to, you know, we're going to bring a safety down and, and we, we play some stuff. It's it's crazy stuff that we play, but we'll roll a safety down and, and play him and stuff. But 
we just work that. So when we start practice every day, we we come out to practice. We're going to go 11 on 11. So we'll have our JV involved. Then I take, again, we take our iPads and I, I draw up our fit drills. Now, the fit drill, when that running back is back there, we let them have a little fun. You can do whatever you want to do. If it's a zone play and you want to go out the back door, you can cut and go out the back door. But what it is is we just fit into the offense. It's a, it's about a three-quarter speed deal. The offensive linemen are stepping. Our linebackers are reading. Our D-line is, is you know, we're real big on gap integrity. We want to make sure that our gaps are taken care of. And we work our gaps and everything else, and it goes about three-quarter speed. And once that guy gets in there, it goes back to the same thing. We're going to tag him. Whistle's going to blow. He's going to take off again, and our pursuit's going to go catch him. Yeah. But we're going to work those fit drills, and and that running back may do what he wants to. He may run zone. He it, it may run the jet sweep. It doesn't matter. But we have to fit, you know, and we have to make everybody has to make it right. And um, it's just a big deal. I on Friday on Friday nights it's it's crazy, but I'll stand there and I may change our coverage from a sky coverage or cloud coverage, or I may get into a front. We have a couple of fronts called one called smoke, one called Viper, which is the heat em up thing that doesn't get run in every ball game. But I, I really don't call it our inside backer, our mic backer and our, my safety is the one that makes the calls on the coverages and what front we're going to be in and everything. And it's all done on the field. The old me making all those weird signs and signals and everything else, we don't do it. You know, it's it's a we're either in cloud or sky coverage every time we play cover two ninety five percent of the time. Um, you know, it's just it's just what we do and how good our kids feel. But it's the credit to our kids how they study those formations on the installs yeah. and know yeah. how to get lined up and where to fit. We're gonna, you know, to to not take away from later stuff, but like our two. Our two tackles are going to make our Mike linebacker right. Our two ends are going to make our two outside backers right. You know, and 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 our outside backers are going to make our defensive end right. It, it's a it's a role play thing. Yeah. Well, so let, let's let's talk about that and talk about your defensive line and and just obviously you know you, you said you had a three and a one and then I'm assuming your other your defensive ends are playing fives. Yeah. And so so you got you know you got C gaps you got you got strong side B you got weak uh, weak side A. You know the big thing with a four three or any four down front is offenses are going to try to attack your B gap bubble. Your, your you know your in, in your case in your weak weak side B gap. So uh, what are you guys doing to? prevent that or at least to to shore that up because you know again with 4-3 you know now your will linebacker is the guy in conflict with the with the running game and the passing game and having passing responsibilities so just talk about that and what you're doing with that well you know you know just as i told you a few minutes ago Ty, our biggest thing here it, it, you'd be surprised and people think we're crazy or think i'm probably crazy which they're not too far off but the <laughs> biggest thing that we do we don't ever talk pass Really, we don't. And when we go team defense, you know, I'm gonna throw a pass in there to keep our secondary on. But we don't talk about that. Our our main responsibilities with our outside backers is we're gonna play run first. Yeah, and we read. They're they're gonna read. We're a read and attack and gap integrity team. We're gonna read that stuff. And if we read pass, we're gonna get to it. And if we don't get to it, we're gonna line up and play again. Yeah. And and it, it, you know, if you find a team. It's going to take it and going to throw it down the field on us and everything. You're going to make a mistake. 
And yeah. because our defensive front's going to come get you. And and we work a lot of get off drills and pass rush stuff. I'm real big on the three and bend stuff as far as, is how we rush the passer, you know, we, right, we're right. no more than three steps upfield on a pass rush and we're back inside. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we do, but we're going to make sure that, that that bubble's covered on that backside with that backer, because we're going to take, we're going to take care of the box first. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to play tackle to tackle and we're going to take care of that box first. And if you want to beat us, throw the ball up. I guarantee you. We had one cornerback this year that had six interceptions on people that's throwing them up, you know, my, our safeties, my son had three, uh, the other corner had four. If you want to throw it up, we're going to, we're going to let you throw it up. Cause we're going to go get you. And, uh, it's weird, you know, and people always think, man, take care of the box. And I go, that's what we do. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. we're going to stop that run and force you in the past. You know, we played some really good football teams this year. You know, we played a uh, monster who is, is a great football team as far as being able to throw the football and doing things like that, and and they couldn't, they didn't have a very much success throwing the football on us, you know. But you know, you got to be patient with your defense, and if you're going to play run, we have to tell the kids. You know, my my biggest thing to our de- our defense is adapt, adjust, and overcome. Things are going to happen in a football game that you've got to you've got to overcome. You're going to adapt to what they're doing, and something big happens, you're going to make an adjustment. You're going to overcome that. So that's our big thing, and we do. But with our linebackers in our 4-3 scheme, we play a numbers game. We take a line and draw it right through the center, through the quarterback, and we're going we're gonna to match up numbers, and we're never going to be a half man down on either side of you know. And that's what we do, and, and our linebackers know. You know, we do some crazy – I do some crazy stuff with our D-line. You know, if you try to outblock my defensive end, we, we have a deal we call chin. When you try to kick him out, He's going to stab you with them hands, and he's going to peek inside, and he's going to rip back inside. Yeah. You know, and how, oh, yeah. how many times yeah. have you, as a D-line coach, say, don't go inside? Yeah. Well, if he reads that block that he's blocking him out, he's going inside. Who's better to fit inside, a 250-pound defensive end or a 185-pound outside backer? Right. I, I, put, I, I, I totally agree. And then and then, then the, the the running back bounces out to your more athletic linebacker. No, I'm, I'm with it. you. I'm with you. I, <laughs> And and that's that's why we how we play that front, you know. That's why we you know, I, I used to be a big guy as far as I love line games as far as slanting and yeah. pinching and doing stuff. And we still do a minute little bit of that, but you know, I've got to the point now where I teach our kids we don't play past the heel of the offensive lineman unless we get a pass read. Yeah. We're gonna sit down in that gap and we're gonna take care of our gap and we're gonna let our linebackers play their gap. And we're going to, we're going to do some stuff, you know, but that's how we kind of cover the bubbles. You know, we look for the bubbles with numbers Yeah, and, and that's what we, and, and, you know, we have line, we have, we have some calls where our linebackers push all the way and our safety rolls down on that backside. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we, matter of fact, with my son, we had a new position. It's called a free linebacker because he was going to have his tail down there, whether we wanted him to or not. So, <laughs> Yeah, he played. He played the other linebacker, but that, that's what we've had more fun yeah. doing. Is is just adjusting. It's a numbers game for us. I mean, you, when we're when we're up there on Sunday mornings after church, 
and we're adjusting the formations, you'd think we're having a party in there because it's it's fun times, man. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and that is so important. And, and so many times, uh, that that is, and that could be the tedious part of game planning is you know counting up numbers and you know, man, a lot of times it's just really tempting, especially I know when I was when I was uh, you know first getting in this thing, you know, you just want to get, you just kind of want to check, start checking things off the list, and it would sort of annoy me sometimes when you got the coach every time we say, well, Lord, if we line up this way and he's counting up you know counting why man let's just that looks good let's just run it and then you count no we're 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 a man we're a guy short over here and and then you start realizing how important that is and and yeah it can be tedious but that is really vital to being uh successful because you know those guys are are smart uh, over there on the offensive side of the ball and and you got a guy in the box and and he can see when you're short and when you don't have leverage points or, or things like that so that's 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 crucial uh for a defense for sure it, it, it's something that's very tough. You know, Hamlin, I give them so much credit in the state championship game. I, I was struggling with what they were doing to our defensive line in the first half when they were in zone. Mm-hmm. Well, our big deal is with our defensive line, any block back, I'm going to cross face. Yeah. All right. Well, when he blocked back running zone with that center and we went to cross face, that center dropped step and got inside of us and there was wide open on the backside. Yeah. Because it was something they did. And, and you know, I was fortunate to – it wasn't really fortunate. Donnie Hyde, the head coach at La Vega, was up in the box with me. And he'd come down at halftime sprinting down there because I got it. And he showed me what they did, and we made the adjustment. But, you know, the big thing with our kids, we we do our drills. We do block, zone, down, which is a down block, and the chin block that I explained to you a minute ago. Yeah. We did that this past year. We did it the first day in August. And we did it the Wednesday before the state championship game at Arlington Mar. We 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 harp on our kids on how to play the technique and how to squeeze blocks and how to cross face and how to play the chin and the stab and peak and and all that stuff. And that was one of the big things that that we found doing that is getting lined up. You know, we call it I call it sack. Another corny thing is S A K, and that stands alignment and keys. Yeah. Yeah. If you get in a good stance and you tr- and you get aligned and you trust your keys, you're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah, very similar to ASCA, you know, alignment, stance, yeah. keys, assignment. Yeah. And coach, I think, yeah. and and I was about to ask you this question, but but you kind of mm-hmm. you kind of hit on it, and and I think I know I think I know what you what what you would say, but I'm gonna I'll let you answer anyway. But okay. you know, I'm curious because I'm also you know coming from uh, a five A school to a to a four A school is it's it's been a little bit of adjustment just because. Uh, you know, you are. We, we do have split practices, offense and defense, and you know, you just you, you just always feel like you don't have enough time with your guys. You know, like I know we need to work pass rush, but crap, we don't have any time. Like I I know we need to work this drill, or I know we have this going on, but we just don't have the time. And and one of the things what you're talking about, you know, playing that technique where your guys are sliding in B gaps. One of the things I think that does is now, you know, I don't really have to worry about us getting reached because. That's we're not we're we're not we're not holding an edge anyway most of the time now we can depending on how we're going to play the technique but you know if we're going to play our base stuff we're going to slide into B gap anyway so that's you know that's one less thing I have to really work on coaching but also too I think when you do when you are limited on time you know going back to the to the to the block recognition drills that and your get offs I mean those are the things that if if you if you don't do anything else but your guys are good at those things you're going to be pretty good and I think sometimes we can get caught up and I got to be doing all these other drills and stuff and man if we can just boil it down to those skills then, then we can be really good so talk about that and what you're doing with your limited time with your guys 
Well, you know, with our stuff that we do, like with our base stuff, I usually I, I split it up and I, I take our line and, and and I just stand back there and give signals to the offensive guys that are looking at me. Yeah, we're gonna run zone and we're gonna run counter left. We're gonna run counter right. And we're gonna run trap and we're gonna run the zone sweep. You know, and and that's what we do. And our kids, it's nothing big. It's just I want your eyes. I want you to read that hip. You're going to read that hip. Is that hip at me, away from me? Is it going down? Is it going back? And it's just real steady concept. And, and you know, you, 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 watch, you, watch, you watch a guy go, you know, take, for example, a Russian discus thrower. Mm-hmm. When they're 35, 40 years old, they're winning gold medals. Well, why? Because of muscle memory. It's, it's doing the same thing in a controlled environment, just like our down blocks, you know, stay down. You know, we started the year in March. I started underneath the cage squeezing blocks because I want you down squeezing that block. Right. And if you rattle that helmet enough, you're going to do that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think what you have to do is you have to decide what's best for your kids and where you're going to take it. Mine, I'm a run-stop guy. I want to stop the run. So I'm going to squeeze and I'm going to have gap integrity. You know, I'm not going to get upfield and let you trap me. I'm not going to get upfield and let you midline me. You know, I'm going to make sure of the little things that we have to stop. And they're very basic. I think sometimes people, you you know, they try to stop. They try to do too many things with their defensive line. I I think that you have to be simple with it. I think you have to be consistent with it. And I think it has to be something that's repped every day. You know, even if it's four minutes, if I go four minutes of pass rush, I've been successful that day. And, And that's the way I look at it. And, you know, my boss is real bad about going, you got all the time you need. You know, I know I do. Yeah. But I want to keep my kids on track. And and I think if they see the sense of urgency that I have for the pass rush this week, if we're playing a a Tony Franklin team, you know, and we know they're going to go hip to hip and we're going to have to be outside with our pass rush. You know, I, I think that they have to know. And, and by our kids – with my defensive kids, by Sunday night, they know what a team's going to do by what I send them via huddle. Yeah. You know, I, I send them all the installs. I see anything that we're going to add new is an install. Any, I don't let them see the whole game of the film clip. I send them, I want you to see these run plays. I want you to see these pass plays. And, and I think that's what helps our kids become better because of, you know, we're – we're compressing what they have to know yeah, in their drills and in what they see on film and, and, and all that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big things, you know, we're one of the, we, we lift, we, we did the same thing the state championship week as we did the first week. We lifted on Monday and we did our installs after lifting. We came in on Tuesday and we, we did our, our film study during, during the day, during lunch. And, you know, I have a study hall during lunch, and I tell my kids that, hey, I got a study hall. I'm up there. I don't have the projector on. Well, they're all in there. They grab their lunch, and we have a good time. We watch film during lunch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I think that I think you just have to manage your time so much better with what you do. And yeah. I think you, you can't try, you know, and you know this, you, you can't try to stop everything. You got to no. stop what they do. Yeah, you're exactly and, and you, right. You've got to stop. Like us, if you want to stop Mark, you stop power counter sweep, and you can stop us. Now, you're going to see it 50 different ways, but you stop power <laughs> counter sweep, you're going to stop us. 
Okay, uh, you you talked about you know your guys. A big point of emphasis is not as is um, you know taking care of trap and midline and just pl- all that stuff where you're playing on the line of scrimmage. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some different, and we we've tried some different techniques with with uh, taking on counters and powers and just those kick out blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys still wrong shoulder spilling? How, how do you guys how do you guys handle those blocks? For example, if you go back and we're going to play counter, you uh-huh. know, I have a drill and I'll, I'll try to explain. We may have to do this off the air thing, but I, I'll try to, to tell you what we do. If we take my, if I take my defensive ends and we're going to play counter to us, okay, we're going to play counter to us. When counter comes, I've been very, very fortunate to have, you know, good athletic defensive ends. We're going to try to go under it. We don't really try to, and I guess it's wrong shoulder. Mm-hmm. But I always hated that because they always thought they had to take it out. We're going to try to go under being an athlete underneath it. And so we're trying to take it under. And so now if you come to power, if you have a back coming to us, we're going to go back to that same thing. I teach blow delivery, which my outside hand is going to be on the outside. My my inside hand or my shade hand is going to go to the middle of the chest, and I'm going to stab, and I'm going to peek, and I'm going to get under inside. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to get underneath there. I'm going to chin that block. Yeah. Now my outside backer will play the bounce. Yeah. So, well, and so when it comes to those, and now if you come up and you're going to run the old Cam Newton sweep where he's dancing out there and he may go backside A gap, that's fine. If if I'm on the backside of that and you're zoning away from me, I'm going to squeeze and sit. And that's what we call it. We call it sit. If you're coming to me with that, I'm going to play cat with my defensive end, meaning when I read that, I am straight up field in the quarterback's mouth. I'm not going to tackle that sweep anyway. Yeah, I can't tackle that sweep. My outside backer and safety is going to have to pay that sweep. So we have two calls for our defensive ends, and that's a cat and sweep. I mean, uh, sorry, cat and set. And uh, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a lot of stuff. No, but, no, I yeah, – I, maybe maybe I'm weird, Coach, because all those things you're saying are things that I yeah. It, and and now we're we're odd here, but you know we're four three in uh mm-hmm. at Tyvee, and uh, yeah, we had the same had the same thing. We had it. We had a heel call where those guys are playing heel line and and kind of like what you're talking about with your sit technique. We we called it surf. We're surfing and closing down space between us and that tackle. Uh, we could sure. do a we could do a um do a mesh call where that we're that we're going right now attacking the mesh, and and so we could also play. We could play home, or we're just we're just sitting and really not moving at all. We're playing, just trying to make that quarterback make a decision. So no, that's and I think you have to do that because if you know, it just depends on who you're playing that week, and and sometimes you want to switch things up so the offense doesn't really know what you're doing. And and I I I, I, I love that stuff. And you know, and that's what we do. We take a look at who do we want to have the football. Yep. And, and what we do is is our ends know if we're playing a gun team and it's a one back set and if the back is to me. First thing, I got to play the what if game. If that back is to me, I'm going, well, he's to me. He's going to run counter. He's going to run quarterback power. I've got to think about what he's going to run right there. So if I read a downhill coming across in front of that quarterback, I'm screaming and I'm going to tackle that running back and I'm going to let that quarterback get a pull read. And then my linebacker is going to be sitting right there. So it's, it's very simple. And that's our cat call. Yeah. yeah. So, so now the, the defensive end on their side, He's got a set call because now he sees that counter coming at him. He's setting. His eyes go inside. I got pullers coming at me. I'm going underneath the pullers right now. And and so we talk, We have to communicate. That's the biggest thing is communication with that stuff between right. your outside backers and your ends. And, yep. and ours have to say something every time. 
and 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 you have to cat sit. Yeah. You know, now if you give me a two back set to the two receiver side, I'm gonna play set and to the one receiver side, we're gonna play cat. Because that's when you get your option coming out the back and everything right, else. Right. But the two receiver side, you gotta play set because that outside backer's removed from the box, he's in pass cover. Right. Right. And so that's kind of the, the our whole gist of what we do, man. It's it's pretty simple. And we we have a great drill called blink and triangle that we we work this with, and it's it's a, it's a really easy drill that I got from Donnie Hyde at La Vega uh, that we work, and it's it's a drill that we do at least once a week, especially, you know, if we're not playing a gun team, if we're playing a Franklin that we play that's the old slot T stuff, well, we're not going to do cat set and all that. We're going to play get after their tails. What we're gonna play. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just, that's just what we have to do. So, yeah. But it's fun. The blinking triangle drill, you know, if if uh if you're interested or something, someday, you know, we get on the phone or I'll try to draw some stuff up and, and send it to you. It's it's a really good thing that we do with our our box, with our, our defensive ends and outside backer do blink and our uh tackles and Mike Backer do triangle. Can you just just for the sake of guys listening, can you kind of walk us through it uh, as best you can without you know obviously without us having something to look at? Can you kind of just walk us through uh, yeah, through that it, drill? It's it's real real simple. You know, if we're gonna we'll start with triangle. If we're gonna work triangle, you're we're gonna take our two DTs and our Mike linebacker, and they're off in a group by themselves. And it's best if you can have a whole offensive line, but if you can't. If you have center and two guards, you're good. So we're going to line up and we'll be have a three on one side and a one on the other. And our Mike Backer is going to be in the backside A gap. I mean, I'm sorry, wrong. Front side A gap. He's going to be in it. And all they do is they the Mike linebacker is reading the center. If he gets a block back, then he's going to then he goes to his read of the step side guard. If that tackle gets a block back, then he's going to cross face. Mm-hmm. The other tackle, most of the time, if he gets a block back, you know, he's going to get blocked back on. The other guy's going to be a down block. He's going to squeeze in their right. own place. And all it is is a read of that triangle, those three guys reading the, reading that. And you can run all your plays out of it. You can run zone. You can run trap. You can run counter. Yeah. Because yeah. we tell our guys, do your job and don't worry about anybody else's. So the only job that that Mike linebacker's got is where did that center go? He blocked back. Well, then I'm going the other way. You know, I'm reading my step side guard. So now, if you went over to the, to basically the, the blink phase of it, it's done with your D ends and outside backers. And it's best done if you can't. Ideal situation, best done with the full offensive line, a quarterback, and one or two running backs. Depends on what you're going to see that week. And by them doing that, the first thing that that defensive end has to do is he's got to make a call whether he's going to be cat or set. He's cat if the back is to him. He's set if the back is away. And that linebacker's got to read back at him. So if I got the back to me, it's a downhill across the face of the quarterback. I'm attacking that running back and giving the quarterback a pull read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the, the, the front side of that is going to play the counter. Right. And so right. you can go one side at a time, both sides at a time, but it's a, it's a drill that's really and truly – uh, helped us as far as, as as how we play, but the biggest thing that it helped us do is making the kids communicate yeah. and, and talk about it. Because, you know, like I said, if that back is to me, if if they're playing us 
Uh, our quarterback, that's one thing about our quarterbacks here at Mart, our quarterbacks have to be able to run because you're going to get quarterback power a ton. If you watch the state championship game, you know, uh, our quarterback was and was a big part of it because of some of the runs he's made on quarterback power. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to be able to run the football. So, you know, I always figure we ought to be pretty darn good at stopping power because that's one of our big plays. Yeah, yeah. We get yeah. to see it a lot. But that's one of the things, you know, you, we have to be able to – the biggest thing with us is we start, you know, how am I going to place my hands? How am I attacking this this power block or how am I attacking this counter block? And that's why you asked a minute ago. But we've always went under the counter and attacked the power and chinned underneath it. And and our, our thing with our defensive ends in this blink drill, if we – if we run stuff and, and we can run ISO in there as well, if you run, you know, a two back thing and run ISO on that weak side, if that defensive end gets anything that he feels pressure being blocked out, he's chinning underneath that block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so you can take this blink and triangle drill and be able to run it out of one back sets, two back sets. You know, we don't run it much on teams, like I said, that, that's under center, run I, we don't have to. We run it out of, you know, when you're a pistol. We're going to run it pistol because what we do pistol wise, we're going to cap both sides because we don't know where that back's going, what side he's going to end up on. But if he comes to my side, we're catting him. You know, so right. that's just right. a, a different deal. But yeah, yeah the, the blink triangle drill is not, re- it sounds complex, but it's not complex. It's the biggest key to that for your blink is the defensive end. Is it back, is it back to me or is it back away? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and that's it. I like that because, you know, you, you are working multiple positions there and you can get a bunch of reps and it, and, it, and it eliminates a lot of the distractions that, you know, when you get an inside and team, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, the ball snapped and it looks like total chaos because kids start trying to find the ball. But in this drill, you know, they're not they're not there is no ball they're 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 looking at their keys and it's really easy to tell you know, if they're not looking at them or what they're looking at and you can kind of scale that back and, and dial it back and really make sure that those, that they're, 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 you know, executing their keys. And like you said, communicating with each other, uh, which is always good. So I, I, I think that's a great drill. I, I, it's, it's really been good for us and it's helped us a bunch. And that's the biggest thing, you know, with, with our kids is, is communication. We have to be able to communicate to be able to play. You have to, you know, we hold them accountable of being able to, to understand the formation, that's that's a big key. Is yeah. to understand the formation and what they're going to do out yeah. of it. And we don't overload them with a bunch of stuff. But I've I've been in in playing against teams where we have to put thirty five formations up there that they have to know how to line up to, and right. they do a good job. Yeah, they may not be able, you know, to you're going to have a bust here or there, but that's your your you know your two guys you're working with. Right. That outside back and at the end, he's going to help him. Hey, you're supposed to be in a five or whatever. You know, they have to communicate. Right. Right. It's really a good thing. Well, coach, as we uh, get ready to wrap this thing up, uh, let, let's, I'm putting a scenario on, on, on you here. Uh, let's okay. say tomorrow that, that you're walking in uh, to your head coach's office and you're saying, this is it for me. I'm hanging it up. Uh, you're retiring this year. Uh, now that's not happening, at least to my knowledge. So no, uh, don't, happening. no one get nervous or anything, but, uh, if you were to retire this year, uh, and, and you look back on your career, your coaching career up to this point, uh, what are, what are some of the things that you are the most proud of? You know, I think the most proud of is, is I'm very fortunate with some of the kids that come back, just like, like, like your boss, 
uh, you know, Josh and, and them staying in touch with those guys and some of the kids that I've had the fortune of uh, coaching and being around. And some of the ones right now, you know, Kirby Ennis from, from Huntsville. Yeah. Uh, I said, Kirby, what are you doing coaching? You're a smart young man. He <laughs> yeah. goes, because of you, yeah. you're the one that did it. You yeah. know? And I think, I think that's, that's some of the big thing, you know, the state titles and everything are awesome. Don't get me wrong. You know, that's, that was unbelievable, but uh, being able to coach my kids, being able to make a difference in some kids that, you know, like I said, I've got a kid that lives with me and, one of these days, he don't know, he won't know, but he's going to realize that that I loved him like he was my own and helped him make it through his high school deal. But, you know, it's just in coaching, there's so much, so much you could think back on. You know, I stay in contact with, you know, I ran into your brother coming into y'all state championship game. You yeah. Know, a guy yeah. that I hadn't seen in forever. It's just the memories of the kids and it is amazing, you know, yeah. and. They'll call you, and it's times you're going to see one day that they're going to call Coach Taylor, and you're going to go, now tell me your name, but they're not going to forget you. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And it, it makes an old man smile when, when that happens, I promise you. Yeah. Yeah, Coach, you're right, and and uh, that, that really is the, the fun part of it. And, and uh, you know, I, I think we can all listen to this, can, can just hope that, that we can have the impact uh, on, on kids that I know that you have and – and that really is a special thing. Uh, so now let's 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 talk about the the Mart Panthers specifically. You know, looking at your team, you know, every year is different. Uh, what's the biggest challenge uh, facing Mart this upcoming season? I think the biggest challenge is going to be replacing those three seniors we're losing. You know, um, and not because he's mine, but just starting on the defense side. Uh, Kyler was my safety. Kyler was a guy that that would would. I would send him film and he'd watch it and he'd log in and watch my film, how he got my password and everything. I don't know, but <laughs> he would do that. You know, we had a kid named Tony Sanchez, most underrated linebacker in central Texas was put in the newspaper. And, uh, but the best reading linebacker that I've had in a long time, um, you know, just replacing a few of those guys is going to be tough. The seven sophomores, they're not going to have a problem. And, we got guys that are, are, you know, that's the biggest thing is replacing those seniors in key positions. When you lose your three technique, your Mike linebacker, and your basically your strong side free safety, it'd be a little bit tough. But yeah, yeah, you know, one thing that that I've learned since I've been here since 2014, there's somebody there. There's somebody that's going to step up. And it's always next man up here in Martin. That's what it'll be next year. Yeah, no doubt uh, that, that nobody in your district, or at least on you guys' schedule next year, is feeling sorry for you. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, with all those sophomores coming back, I'm sure that y'all are uh, y'all going to get it figured out. Well, Coach, it was uh, just an absolute blast getting to talk with you. And and uh, I, I got to be honest, I, I kind of forgot that we were doing a podcast for a while. I thought we were just just sort of talking and and uh that's the sign of a really good uh really good conversation and a good podcast episode when you forget that that's what you're doing and you're just talking football and and i really appreciate it no man thank you i i like i said i i lost track of time too and i'm i'm sorry if i went a little long oh no stuff, huh? but but man i'm gonna tell you what this is uh this was my first one and uh and and i'm not near as nervous anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's all but, good you know, 
I always tell everybody I do truly have a face for podcasts. <laughs> 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 but thank you so much. I, I, you know, Ty, I really appreciate you calling me and thanking me to do it. And, and I'm honored and blessed to be able to do it. And I really appreciate it. Well, Coach, thank you so much. And good luck to you this offseason and, and, and next year as well. Thank you, brother. Good luck to you. I know. Hey, let's just meet at AT&T. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, brother. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach Martin. I thought he did a really great job and just appreciate his passion for the game of football and sharing what he's learned over the years with other coaches. You can follow Coach Martin on Twitter at martinshane 77 or check out the show notes of this episode for his email address if you want to contact him that way. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast and be thinking about what you want Coach Schiffman and me to talk about on next week's episode. You'll probably see something about that tonight, uh, Monday night on Twitter. We'll be taking suggestions on things you'd like to hear us talk about, so be, be thinking about that. Okay, our quote of the day given to us by Coach Martin is this. We play for those who played before us and set the standards for those to follow. And that's a wrap for us today. Thank you for checking us out. But don't just keep this to yourself. Tell your coaching buddies about us. You know a D-line coach who doesn't follow us or listen to us each week? Then hook them up and let them know there's a podcast out there for them. Also, leave us a review and give us a five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing. And check back in with us next week for our 50th episode. But until then, Coach Martin, tell these guys what they need to do. Keep your pants down.